Lord, can we give him a hand clap one more time as you're seated in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I'm excited for the opportunity to do this again. I can tell you, as I said in the opening, there's a lot of times where you uh, think you have something from God, of course, and, and you know, I think most of the time you do, but you, you mess up. I'm human, right? But uh, when you have something that God uh, laid on your heart and then you hear something in, in the same vein on the same day this morning, I have confidence that God has us on the right track tonight. And I believe that the word I have is something that is for this congregation tonight, maybe for certain individuals, I don't know, but it's for somebody, certainly for me, in Jesus' name. I had a couple of, of artifacts I wanted to, to put up here. Now, this listen, this is just a just in case somebody needed to be lightened up a little bit. That's what this is, okay? So I wanted to make sure you guys understood that, you know, there are credentials to being up here on the platform at Lighthouse. There are only certain people that have a bobblehead, amen, with their lovely wife. I'm thankful for that. They, they've mixed the gray hair in, which is awesome for me, not for her, for me. The gray hair in there, that's awesome. I'm thankful for that. I do have something I'm very proud of that I flash often. Bam. <laughs> you can't even see it, but I'll flash that out there. Your, your, your fellowship card with the UPCI. Amen. Oh, man, I felt the Holy Ghost on that one. And, uh, and one more thing here that I could bring out. I don't want to break it, but... Uh, all right. <laughs> Praise God. I hesitate. I hesitate on this last one. But I feel, I feel I'll probably take it right down once I put it up because it's probably something that gets us in trouble in church. But amen. Ooh, hallelujah. You feel that? I, I hopefully, I hopefully the biggest praise was not for that. I'm going to put that back. I'm going to put that back. That's not good. In fact, I'm going to break something, so I'm putting it all back. I'm just nervous. I'm just nervous, guys, and I'm going to break something here. But, uh, but I'm thankful for the opportunity tonight to, uh, to speak to you. I believe God has something for us in this place tonight. Pentecostals are good at praise, aren't we? We know what we're doing when it comes to praise. And I wanted to remind you that uh, certainly we are not out of order when we begin to dance and jump and do those kinds of things. It might seem funny uh, to some whenever that begins to happen in a Pentecostal service. But can I tell you that that is entirely biblical? Because we can look into the, uh, and I'll get to my title here in a moment, but we can look to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 14 through 16, and then verse 21. It says, And David danced before the Lord with all his might, the Bible says, with all his might. And uh, so David, verse 15, so David, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, and, and it sounds like it's a guy when you say this, his wife's name, Michael, but I think it's Michal or something like that, somebody who knows Arab stuff, let me know. But his wife, let's just say his wife, which was Saul's daughter, as she saw him from her window as he marched into the city. Now David was coming into the city, and David was not sitting there like, oh, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. You totally gave us the ark back. That's awesome. Thank you. 
I appreciate that. But the Bible says that when David came into the city, he was jumping, he was dancing before the Lord, and his wife saw him from the window. And the Bible says that she despised him in her heart. She was embarrassed. Her husband, the king of Israel, was out there dancing in front of everybody. Everybody could see him out there leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. In verse 21, it says, and David, and what happened is David went into his house and he said, he said, now listen, honey, uh, I've come to bless the house here. And she said, David, you can't be carrying on like that. You are the king of Israel. You cannot be out there in the middle in front of everybody praising God. And David said to her, he said, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. David had made up his mind. David had made up his mind that I'm going to prioritize praise above anything that anybody thinks. I don't care who's next to me, who's not praising. It doesn't matter to me if I'm the only one that is willing to stand up and worship him. Hallelujah. But I'm going to do it because it's my decision. I've chosen to praise the king of kings. Amen. Praise God. So everything we do in this house is entirely in order. You believe that? Whenever we praise, it is entirely in order. In order, no matter where I find myself, I'm going to praise. It doesn't matter the circumstance, the situation that I'm in, I choose to praise. And even when I don't feel like it, many times when we're downstairs getting ready for a a service, we have to remind ourselves that I haven't come here to worship a song. I haven't come here to worship the one that's leading worship that night or the praise singers or the musicians, but I've come to praise. It doesn't matter what song is played. I was made to praise him. Amen? In the name of Jesus, am I in a Pentecostal church tonight? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, anyway, that was just a a thing that we thought we'd get out there. But uh, but I'm thankful that I know how to praise my king. Amen. Praise God. Tonight, I believe that there is a, a victory coming to somebody in this place, somebody that's been praying for a long time for something. There's a specific need that you've been praying for, and I believe that God wants to answer that need tonight, and I want to go through uh, what I think maybe will get us there. I, I'm praying that God moves through this. I, honestly, I'm very, very excited just to, uh, to get through it because I'm looking forward to what God is going to do in this place tonight, but here's what I want to talk about, this thought. It's His praise, my victory. His praise, my victory. I just have to offer Him praise, and look what I get. I just begin to praise my king, and victory just begins to come down. Just for me praising, just for me choosing to praise, and my king sends victory down my way. And I believe somebody, through exuberant praise tonight, through powerful, purposeful praise tonight, is going to receive a victory or an answer to prayer. Do you believe that? In Jesus' name, praise God. I am excited. I am so excited what God's going to do. i got to lose this. All right, I'm going to go to uh, First Chronicles. Uh, believe it or not, there are messages you can get out of Chronicles, a couple. But uh, First Chronicles 4, 9, and 10 says this, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him in sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou would bless me indeed and enlarge my coast, 
that thou that thine hand might be with me and that thou wouldest keep me from evil that it may not grieve me the bible says god granted him that which he requested god wants to answer your prayer now this is an interesting scripture really because when you read through this is one of the if you've done the bread program hopefully we all have at some point uh, when we go through and, and you know, oftentimes it's two or three scriptures a day in the old testament and then a, you know one or two in the new testament uh, we all become speed readers in chronicles like and in numbers too in there sometimes like we'll do three chapter chapters in like 12 seconds i mean and we just take it all in so fast but uh, as it goes through and it begins to, to list all these lineages and, and this person beget this person and, and, uh, and, and we get, I'm serious, we just fly through that stuff. We fly through that stuff. But we find in the midst of that, it's an interesting chapter because before this passage right here and after this passage, it literally just goes through this person had this son and that son and they had this son and all of a sudden, boom, and Jabez called on the God. What, how did that even happen? But somehow this verse finds itself in the middle of a bunch of, I guess you could say, monotonous type scriptures going on there. This verse shows up. And I just wondered if somehow, and I'm probably stretching, but could it be that maybe in the monotonous day-to-day -day grind that we have, there are times when God says, boom, there's the answer to your prayer. You're not even expecting it. You're just walking through your day, daily life, driving to work, driving to school. Those kind of things are just going on, just normal life. And all of, a sudden, all of a sudden, something powerful begins to happen. Amen. I believe that in Jesus' name. Tonight, I want to talk a little bit maybe about a blueprint to your victory. A blueprint to your victory here. There are those that like numbers. I have numbers off, and there are three points. So if you like numbers, there it is. The first one is this. The enemy fears your potential. The enemy fears your potential. Somebody needs to get a hold of that because there are times when we feel intimidated by the enemy. And I'm going to tell you tonight, he fears you. The devil is afraid of you. He is afraid of what you can become. He's afraid of you getting a hold of the prayer of Jabez tonight and saying, God, I want you to just enlarge my coast, expand my ministry. God, whatever it is that you want me to do, I pray, God, that you would let it happen in Jesus' name. And the, the enemy just gets scared. He gets fearful of you. There's times where we say, I can't teach a Bible study. There's no way I could do that. But God says, you can. Do you believe that? We sometimes would say that there's no way that I could expand my ministry. I couldn't do it. There's no way that I could do it. But God says, you can. Amen? Praise God. There are times where we might say, there is just no way. It's too hard for me to live a separated life. But God says, be ye holy, for I am holy. God says you can. Amen? Praise God. The devil just hates it when we get a hold of the prayer of Jabez. He wants your territory to sh shrink. In fact, he is a big fan of small, ineffective ministries. Right? Loves it. He'll let you minister all you want to. All you want to. As long as it's not effective, as long as it doesn't grow, as long as it just, it just kind of sits in the same place and never changes. He is perfectly okay with that because he wants you to doubt when you have doubt that's the kind of ministry you have when you begin to doubt what god is able to do and so he purposely the enemy he purposely injects discouragement into our minds he begins to make you doubt i've had times where someone would be uh, undoubtedly filled with the gift of the holy ghost evidence of speaking of the tongues and it may be the next day that in their mind they start to think did i really get the holy ghost have you ever been there where you just started to doubt what God did for you, that's the enemy trying to put that 
in your mind, trying to give you doubts. This is because he himself cannot shrink your territory, so he causes you to give it up. He can't take anything from you, but we can give it to him. Amen. He'll poke holes in those walls and, and cause us to pull back and retreat. He'll convince us that certain things aren't necessary, just rules. He'll, uh, he'll cause us to be less vigilant with the Holy Ghost that we have, even looking outside of the protection of the church to see what is out there. Maybe I can just peek out the gate and just look around and get a little curious and try different things. And every time we do that, the enemy sneaks into your camp and takes a little bit more of your territory away. And whenever you come back, there's less and less and less because he begins taking that away. But certainly, certainly just sneaking out the gate a little bit, it couldn't hurt anything, right? There's no way. Not true. Too many times I've seen wrong friends and relationships lead to drugs and foul language and a multitude of other sins and traps. All this because it wouldn't be a big deal to just be curious a little bit and look around and, and go outside the safety of the church. And maybe this part right here is more uh, the student pastor coming out a little bit, but I think it could be for all of us, to be honest with you, if we were honest with ourselves. But, but we sneak out of the walls and the devil sneaks in. That's just what he does. And I'm going to tell you what the devil does not like right now. The devil does not like it when a young person, last Sunday night, Brother Dylan up here, to make the decision that says, I need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. When a young person decides that, the enemy starts to fear. He's just shaken. He's like, I hope Dylan does not realize how powerful he is. I hope Excel does not realize how powerful they are. I really hope Lighthouse does not get a hold of the power that they have. And he fears. He fears what Lighthouse can be. I promise you that. He fears. He fears the growth that we have. He cannot stand the fact that we're looking for a bigger building, land. He can't stand it because that means the church is on the move. The church is growing. He's not able to stop what God is doing in O'Fallon. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's okay with the small ministries. He's even okay with you praising God as long as it's not with all of your heart and mind. Right? It's okay if you praise God because it's a catchy tune. That's cool. He's fine with that. He's, he's okay if you praise God because the person next to you is, and that looks fun, and you start praising God. He, he's fine with that kind of praise. That's okay. But if you got a hold of it and begin praising him with all of your heart and all of your soul, the devil fears that. He is so scared that we're going to get a hold of that where we can literally break down and begin to praise God anywhere, anytime, regardless of where you are. The enemy fears you when you get to that place. Amen? Praise God. He fears you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10, we are troubled on every side in the flesh, yet not distressed in the spirit. It doesn't say in the flesh or in the spirit, but I'm just helping you out. We are perplexed in the flesh, but I'm not in despair in my spirit. I'm persecuted in my flesh, but I'm not forsaken in the spirit. I'm cast down in my flesh, but I'm not destroyed in the spirit. Always bearing about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. I want somebody to be convinced tonight that the enemy fears you. The enemy fears you in Jesus' name. The second thing, God has made a promise to you. You've been praying for it. God has promised you. This book right here is full of promises. Just right in here. But God has made you promises. And now what it comes down to is faith. You have to believe. 
The promise is already there, but you have to believe. We find a story in Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, and then 27 through 30. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Now there's a promise, right? He said, send thou men, they may search the land. I gave it to you for a promise. Every tribe of their fathers, ye shall send a man and every one a ruler among them. And then they go down to verse 27. When they had returned from spying out the land, the Bible says, and they told him and said, we came unto the land, whither thou sentest us, and surely it flowed with milk and honey, meaning what God said was there. The promise that God had, had said was there was there. And this is the fruit of it. Uh, verse 28, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, the Jebus. Excuses, excuses, excuses. The Amorites, they dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan as they go on and on, saying, It was a promise, but I don't think we can do it. God promised us that land, but it looks too hard. We might have to have some faith if we're going to go over there and, and take that promise that God has given us. But in verse 30, we see this, and Caleb stilled the people. They said, calm down. What are you guys talking about? God promised us this. He said, he said, he stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb knew it was a promise, and he had faith. He understood that when God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Amen. Praise God. Now, we know the story that, the, that there was 10 spies that, that said they couldn't do it, and Joshua and Caleb said they could. And uh, so literally, I want you to think about this for a minute. The Israelites were sitting on the brink of their promise. Like I'm standing here, there's the land right there. There's the promise right there. Can you imagine being able to see the promise? You can actually see it. You sent people into it to spy out the promised land that you were given and they didn't go in. They doubted. They, they didn't have enough faith. They didn't think that they would be able to overcome the people that were there and the challenges that might be there. How sad it is to think that we could walk right up to a promise and then turn around because it looked a little too scary. I don't know that I can do that, ministry, Lord. It's a little too scary. I'm not sure that I could be a student pastor. I said that, actually. But I'm not sure that I could do that because maybe that's what you've promised for me. That's a path that you have me on. But, God, that's going to be tough. I don't even know. I have no idea how to do any of that. And a lot of you are there right now because many of you have been called. You've been called to preach the gospel. You've been called to do different things. But sometimes we hesitate because we get a little too intimidated by what may happen. But I do want to encourage somebody tonight because God has promised you something, and now it's about faith. Now it's about you accepting that what God has promised will come to pass. But I understand that we are all human beings. We all have our faith weakened at some point in our life. Uh, any of us, pastor I'm sure has had his faith weakened at some point. There's things that happen 
in our lives. There's so many ways that we become discouraged in this life. When things don't go exactly how they thought they should have went or, or something tragic happens in our life, it's not uncommon for us to lose a little bit of faith. That's, that's a human nature coming through. So we've all been there. I want to encourage you in that. If, you're, if that's where you are tonight, if you feel your faith is weakened, I want to tell you, be encouraged because there's a whole room full of people here that have been there. And we've gotten to the other side of it where we know the answer is. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. I wish somebody's faith would begin to rise in this place right now because God has called you to teach a Bible study. But in the past you've said that's too hard of a mountain to climb. I can't do it. I've never taught a Bible study. I just can't do it. Folks, we need Bible studies coming out of this church. I'm telling you that right now. Just what I have seen out of the foundations course that's going on, Pastor, we've had people baptized because of that class. That is the power of a Bible study. There are people that have changed their lifestyle because of sitting in that Bible study downstairs. Amen. That is a powerful, powerful thing. There's some that even get to a place where they're struggling with even living for God. And don't feel bad. This is, not a, this is not a courtroom, okay, right? This is a hospital, right? So if you're there, if you've been to the place where you feel like maybe you, uh, maybe you just you don't know that you have it anymore, you don't, you're just kind of doubting, and you're, God, are you really there? Are you really there? Because, God, I haven't heard from you in a long time. I'm, I'm wondering where you are, God. Where were you at when that happened? Where were you at when this happened? Where were you at when I fell down there and, and, and couldn't get up on my own? God, where were you? Can I tell you tonight that God has never moved? Who moves? We move. Hallelujah. God is still there. And whenever you make that decision, hallelujah, to run back to him, I believe just like the prodigal son's father, hallelujah, God begins to run back to you because he loves you and he cares for you and he only wants the best for you, but I fear sometimes we're like those 10 spies in Numbers 13 where it just seems like something is too difficult to possess. We've told ourselves that it might be just better to settle. It might be better just to stay where I'm at because that might require a little more faith of me if I try to step out a little bit farther. Can I, can I remind you of the prayer of Jabez? He prayed, God, enlarge my coast that thy hand might be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And the Bible says God granted him his request. God answers prayers. Somebody needs to understand God answers prayers. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I wish somebody would get a spirit of Caleb on them that says I am well able to possess it. God promised it, and it's going to happen. God promised my family would be saved, and it's going to happen. Hallelujah. Somebody believe with me right now that God is a Savior. God, hallelujah, can bring your family into this church. In the name of Jesus, I believe that. Somebody, hallelujah, have faith tonight in Jesus' name. And the third thing, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. So the devil fears you. The devil fears you. Don't doubt that. Hallelujah. God has promised it. Just have faith. And the last thing is this. We have to choose to praise him. It's his praise. I'm praising him, and it's my victory. When we begin to praise him, the victory begins to fall. Hallelujah. And we turn to, to Joshua 6, 1 and 2, and then verse 20. It says this. Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. The Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given 
into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. Now I want to bring something out here. The Bible tells us that the, the, uh, the folks in Jericho, they feared the Israelites. The Bible says they weren't going in or out. They were scared. They saw all the Israelites out there. Now listen, the Israelites had not fired a shot. They hadn't done anything. There's nothing that they've done at this point, but the enemy feared them. The Israelites were feared because they knew who their God was. They knew that that city had been promised to the Israelites, and they feared. They feared. They didn't go in. They didn't go out. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, there was an interesting thing I read in here as I was going through, and it wasn't even part of anything I was doing. But when you looked at the formation of the Israelites as they marched around the walls, the Bible says, of course, we know the story, the, the first six days they walked around Jericho uh, one time, the seventh day seven times. The Bible tells us that whenever they got in formation to walk around those walls, the armed guards were in the front, and there were guards in the back, and in the middle was the priests who were blowing the trumpets and the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. Can I tell you tonight that it is important that we protect what we have. It's important that we guard the Holy Ghost that you have. You need to guard the Spirit of God that is living in your heart. It's very, very important. I thought that was striking to me to see how they protected the Ark in Jesus' name. And then we find in Joshua 6.20, so the people shouted, when the priest blew the trumpets, and it came to pass when the uh, people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, and that wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. The Israelites were promised Jericho. It was a promise. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, here's there's a concept here. There's, a, there's something that we should see in this, and we should understand. So they were promised Jericho. And then what happened was they were obedient to the commands of God. So God said, here's what you need to do. You need to walk around the city the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day. Walk around the city one time. Now, don't be silent. Don't say anything. We're not saying anything yet. We're just walking around the city. And on the seventh day, he said, walk around that city seven times. And then, and then the command was that whenever the trumpets blew, that they would begin to shout. But they wouldn't make a peep until then. They weren't going to shout until they heard those trumpets. Now, I think, here, here's my thing. If, if, if somebody said that I've got the answer for you, I've promised you the city, just walk around it a bunch of times. I'd be like, mm, wait a minute. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Because I don't know that there was a case. Maybe you can check me. I don't know if there was a thing where they walked around cities in another uh, this is probably the first time this happened where God had said to walk around the city. So I promise you that there were probably doubters. I believe there were those that said, come on, listen, God, okay, come on, God. You want us to walk around a town? Why don't you just flatten the walls right now? We'll just say, we'll just say something and then you just flatten it, you know. But God wants obedience. God is looking for us to do something that we can do. Can I tell you tonight that the victory is the Lord, so you can't, you can't give yourself victory. It's not something that you can do, but what you can do is be obedient to what God asks you to do. Amen? Praise God. So I'm picturing these people, you know, I, I, now if you've been to the Middle East, it, it's not a cool climate, okay? It's very dusty. It's very sandy, and it's like 158 degrees every day. So this is where this was happening, right? So they're in the Middle East, and... And, of course, I guess back then they didn't have climate change, so it was probably 70 degrees all year round. 
<laughs> but, but they're walking around the city. The, Isra- the Israelites are walking around the, the, the walls of Jericho. And I just picture in my head just people getting tired. And, God, there's, just, there's no way we should have to do this. Why, Lord, would this be the way that you would uh, have us take this promise, to get this promise? Why, God, would this be the approach? And as they're, they're walking around the walls, I can just see maybe them stumbling every now and then. And, and, and it's dusty and there's sand and, 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 and there's people fussing about it. And they're getting, you know, they're just kind of like discouraged. And, God, this is going to be tough. And this is just day one. We've walked around the city one day, and we don't have it. we got nothing to show for it. There's absolutely nothing to show for what we did today, and this was just one day. The second day, they get out there, and they begin to walk around the city again, and the same thing. I, I, there must have been, just knowing human nature, there had to be those that were starting to fuss a little more about it. Say, come on, this is ridiculous. Do we really have to do this? And I imagine somebody else was like, no, come on. Come on, we, God said we got to do it. There was somebody encouraging them. The second day went by, and they walked around, and nothing to show for it. Nothing happened yet. The third day, they go out, and it's hot, and it's dusty, and they're walking around the city again. And, and I, I just imagine there's, there's people getting more and more frustrated because we've kind of been there. Remember, it takes us about eight seconds to get tired of a web page loading, right, or less than that. I don't even know what it is now. It's probably four seconds. But we get tired of it. But they had to walk around a city. The third day comes and goes, and they walk around the city and and nothing to show for it. Then the fourth day, they're walking around the city, and they're walking around there, and and it's hot, and it's it's just so difficult. It's such hard work. Why do we have to work so hard for this promised city that God has given us? Then the fifth day, they go out, and they walk around again, and and, and maybe there's just more that are starting to get discouraged, but but maybe Joshua's there saying, no, 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 be of good cheer. We're going to make it around. God has promised us this city and the fifth day is over and day number six comes and and maybe they're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel but understand that they've been walking around the city and nothing has happened they haven't seen anything yet there's not been any kind of crack in the wall show up or there's not like any earthquake starting to happen nothing has happened day six they walk around the city and they get around there and they complete that and, and go back to their camps, and nothing has happened. And now at this point, they're looking forward to walking around the city seven times. That's going to be great. So we've really enjoyed one time a day. Now we get to do that seven times. So they get up on the seventh day. The Bible says they got up early. They got up early, and they begin to go around the city, and they got in formation, begin to walk around. And the first time they go around, and, 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 and maybe they're getting, maybe this is some excitement building in now. I, I don't know, but I, I suspect there were still some doubters in there that thought, this is nuts. Then the second time, they're walking around the city again. Nothing's happened yet. Nothing's happened. The third time, they walk around, still nothing. The fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time. And I just wondered, I begin to liken this to us sometimes when we're having something we've been praying for for a long time. There's those of you in this room that have been praying for certain things for a really long time. Years even, you've been praying for God to move in a certain situation. So you've been walking around Jericho. You've been walking around Jericho for years, and and you haven't seen anything move. Maybe you've been praying for a lost loved one, or maybe you've been praying about a, a job situation or a friend or whatever it might be that you've been praying for, and you've been walking around those walls over and over. You've been praying. You've been fasting. You've been doing everything that you know to do. Hallelujah. And nothing has happened. You're seeing nothing. I'm being encouraging, right? So you've been praying for years and years, some of you have been praying that long for somebody in your family to come to know Jesus and salvation. You've been praying for so long, 
for something to happen, and it hasn't happened yet. But you keep praying, and you keep walking around those walls, and we find that the seventh time they went around, and whenever the priest blew the trumpet, the trumpet, the Bible says they all let out a shout, and the wall just fell down. All that work, all that time, all that prayer, all that fasting that you've been doing, one of these days is going to pay off. And I believe the Bible would tell us that that happens with praise. There are times when a victory will happen all because of your praise. Not that, not that you haven't prayed. You've walked around Jericho. You've done that. But now it's going to come to a time where that praise is going to be let out and somebody needs to take back some territory the enemy's taken from you. You've lost, some, you've lost some land. You've lost some territory, and you need to take that back tonight. Somebody needs to grow their ministry. Somebody needs to expand their territory. Somebody needs to rebuke fear tonight. Amen? Somebody needs to rebuke fear in Jesus' name. You need to boldly claim what God has promised you, and somebody needs to understand how powerful they are. I want somebody to be encouraged tonight to know that you are powerful. Somebody needs to understand that the one who created everything is on your side. The one who holds everything together is fighting for you. Hallelujah. The one who makes everything happen, the one who has a cattle on a thousand hills, the one who owns everything and created everything is fighting for you. Imagine, think of it, that the God of all creation is on your side. And now it's time for you to claim it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. I have asked the Excel sign team, and I want them to get into place now. What we are getting ready to do, church, and I'm not done yet. What we are getting ready to do is we're getting ready to praise God for real. We're going to get some exuberant praise going in this house. Here's why. Because a lot of you have been there. You've been praying, and you've been, fat. You've been doing all this stuff. You've been doing all the right things, but maybe it's about time to choose praise. Maybe it's about time to, to give God some powerful, exuberant praise in this place. And perhaps it is that God tonight is going to give you an answer to your prayer. Amen? I wish somebody would begin to believe that in this house. I think somebody needs to have some faith to understand that God is fixing to move in this place. Hallelujah. Praise is your choice. Praise is something you have to purposely do. You have to give him praise, and he's going to give you the victory. Now, one thing I notice in Joshua chapter 6, and this is interesting that you find this here. It says this, that in Joshua 6, it was the high priests, the spiritual leaders, who first signaled it was time to praise. It was the leadership that began to praise first. It was those that were in charge of the people that began to praise first. It was the pastor. It was a student pastor. It was a Sunday school teacher. It was, it was a jam leader. It was, it was those leaders of the people of Israel that, that sounded the trumpet to say it's time to praise. So that's what we're going to do tonight. Praise God. I believe the leadership of this church should take the lead right here. If you're going to be a leader, you might as well be a leader. Amen. So if you're in the leadership, and I'm talking from Sunday school teachers to jam, any, if you're in any kind of leadership role in this church, you should, be, you should take the lead as we get ready to go here in just a moment. I've come to know that sometimes the breakthrough only comes through praise. Anybody? I thought this was Pentecostal. <laughs> praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. This may be your opportunity. I'm, 
looking for walls of fear, doubt, and discouragement, disappointment, all to fall here in just a few moments. Hallelujah. I want somebody to begin to anticipate what's going to happen in this place. I want somebody to begin to expect God to do something. In fact, I think it'd be okay if right now we all stood to our feet and let's get ready for what God is going to do in this place. Now, here's what we're good at. As Pentecostals, we are good at praying. We know how to pray. We understand that when we have a need, we need to pray for that need. Are you with me? I think we're good at that. We'll pray for something for years, and we'll keep praying for it because we know it's the right thing to do. We know we're supposed to talk to God. We understand that he hears our prayers. We get that. We know how to pray. We also know how to fast. Right? I think, are you with me? We pray. We fast. We understand that denying our flesh gets us closer to God. It, it activates that spirit. It makes us more aware of the spirit that's in our life whenever we begin to fast. So I believe as Pentecostals, we know how to pray and we know how to fast. And we've been doing that, some of us, for years for certain answers to prayer. We've been praying and we've been fasting and that's awesome. We ought to do that. Amen. But sometimes I wonder if there's a third thing that we ought to add to that prayer and fasting. We pray, we fast, but I wonder if what's missing, I wonder if the answer to your prayer is going to come because you decide to let out a shout unto God. Hallelujah. Somebody begin to worship him. I wish you'd start to praise the King of Kings right now. Somebody needs to let out a shout in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Somebody praise him. Somebody worship him. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah.
breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. Do you believe he's the God of your breakthrough tonight? Do you believe that he still heals? He still delivers? He still makes a way out of no way? Do you believe in the God of your breakthrough? Yeah, yeah. Hey. I believe you're going to have a breakthrough tonight in this. Breakthrough in my heart. Breakthrough in my mind. Breakthrough in my spirit. Breakthrough in my soul. Breakthrough in my weakness. Breakthrough in my struggle. You are the God. You are the God of the breakthrough in my worship, breakthrough in my praise, breakthrough when I live and glorify your name, breakthrough when I dance, breakthrough when I shout, you are the God, you are the God of the breakthrough. Breakthrough when I praise, breakthrough when I lift and glorify your name. 